This episode of All Have Another Podcast is brought to you by Strava. Strava is a social media platform for runners and cyclists and enthusiasts who are into working out. And I love this platform. I started using it after my first son, Marshall, was born to track my progress. And I've been using it ever since. What I love about Strava is that you can also log cross-training, which is something that I have been doing a lot more of now that I am pregnant. And I just love that you can check back on your progress. I can see what I was doing in 2014, 2015, and compare that to the training I'm doing now or the training I will be doing for my next marathon. I encourage you guys all, if you're not already on, to just get out your phone right now and download the Strava app. It's free and you can track all of your training there. You can find me. You can follow me. That's fun. You can follow your friends. I'm Lindsay Hine over there on Strava. My husband, Glenn, who is training for the Boston Marathon right now. He is Glenn Hine over there. Always fun to check in and see what other people are up to. You guys, Strava is also doing a giveaway for the New York City Marathon, an entry to the race in a $500 stipend. I'm going to link to that contest in the show notes and you have one week left to enter to win that entry, which is pretty awesome. I hope to see you guys in the Strava community and thanks Strava for being such a big support of this podcast. Today you're listening to episode 111 and I'm talking with Neely Spence Gracie. Neely is a long distance runner. She competed in the 5k for a very long time. She has represented the USA at the IAAF World Cross Country Championships twice. And in 2016, she decided to see what the marathon was all about. She debuted her first marathon in 2016 in Boston with a time of 2.35, and she came back just months later and ran New York City with a time of 2.34.55. She also holds a half marathon PR of 109.59. No big deal. Neely comes from a family of runners. She's notoriously known for her mom giving birth to her while her dad competed in the Boston Marathon. Neely is expecting her first child, a little boy, and she's due right around the same time as me. So we get a little bit of talk in there about pregnancy and what she's doing with her training now and how she made the decision to go ahead and start a family now right in the middle of her career. I'm really excited because we are doing a meetup in Boston on Sunday, April 15th from 2 to 4 at Lamplighter Brewery in Cambridge. And Neely is hopefully going to be meeting us there to get to know people as well. And my friends, Michelle Gonzalez, Mary Johnson, Molly Turner, and Ashley Fizzerati, all women who have been on the show in the past, are going to be joining us for that meetup as well. So if you're going to be in Boston for Marathon Weekend, I hope that you can stop by and say hello for this casual, fun meetup. All right, guys, if you're loving the show, I would appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. Thank you so much, everybody who has already done so. All right, let's go ahead and get this conversation with Neely started. Enjoy. Well, today on the show, we get to talk to Neely Spence Gracie. Welcome to the show, Neely. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I just got home from the Y and um, putting my youngest son down for a nap. And my husband's home from work early, so I'm excited. We're going to go do a family afternoon thing um, a little bit after this call. 
Oh, that's so fun. Is it nice out? It is really nice. I don't want to lie, but I feel when I just walked outside, I felt like it was like 60 and sunny, but probably it's probably more like 45 and sunny. My mind is just like in a totally <laughs> crazy place coming off winter. Yeah. Well, once the sun comes out those first couple days, you're like, it feels amazing. You're in a t-shirt and 30 degree weather. Yeah. You're like, maybe cause all winter I've been like, we should move somewhere warm. We should move somewhere warm. And now I'm like, okay, we can do this. We can handle yes. this. We can get through this. It's March. All of a sudden it's way better. Yeah. Um, awesome. so how are you feeling? Congratulations on your pregnancy. Thank you. Yeah. I've been feeling really good until this past week. Um, and I mean, everything's been so smooth. I really have nothing to complain about, but I started to get lower back pain issues. And so haven't really been able to do a whole lot the past week, which has been a little unfortunate. Yeah. It's so unpredictable. Honestly, you just don't know what's going to come up or what kind of aches or pains are going to pop up that you're not used to having when you're pregnant. Yeah, exactly. But Hey, uh, like I said, my, my goal is a healthy, happy baby. So whatever it takes is fine with me. Totally. So, um, just so everybody knows here, Neely is a professional runner for Adidas and she was the top American marathoner, um, woman at the Boston marathon in 2016. She placed eighth at the New York city marathon in 2016, two marathons in one year, your first, uh, go at it. You did two in one year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, as soon as I finished at New York, I looked at my husband and said, can I run CIM next month? Oh my gosh. I was like, um, no, <laughs> you're not supposed to say that after you finish a marathon, you're supposed to be like, I'm never doing a marathon again. And then like a month later, I'd be like, oh, okay, you know, maybe I will. I forget about it. But yeah, I think within an hour of finishing New York, I was like ready to do my next one. Well, that's funny. Yeah, because it usually takes a little bit of time to forget about how bad it actually hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, I watched your video after Boston, your first marathon, and it's always emotional seeing someone cross the finish line in general for a marathon from a marathon, but their first marathon in particular. And I was watching your video and you were kind of a little bit like you were a little bit shaky. And I just thinking, Oh man, just like all those feelings and emotions that you probably had. Oh man. That, that moment, I will never forget it. To be honest, the thing that I was worried about more than anything during that video was that I was going to puke on camera Mm -hmm. because I had crossed the finish line and just vomited everywhere. And so like two minutes after I crossed the finish line, um, they're like, oh, let's get you on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I can do this. Come on. So, yeah, I think I was more worried about that than anything, but it was super emotional. Um, You know, I did not have a perfect buildup at all going into that race. And the morning of the race, I was just so grateful to be able to be there and to start. Um, And so for me, that was a big victory. And then once I passed 22 miles, every step, I was just like, this is a new PR. This is a new PR. <laughs> I've never run further than 22 miles. So this is amazing. Um, and I actually ended up finishing with my, my last, uh, 10 K was my, was the fastest, um, that I ran throughout the whole race. And I think it was like the second fastest, uh, last 10 K in the field oh, wow. that day. So I really closed strong, um, which means I probably didn't pace myself a hundred percent appropriately. Um, since I had so much left at the end, 
But I was just so afraid of the distance and of bonking and of all those things that you hear about when you don't respect the marathon um, that I think I ran it the way that I should have, Um, you know, just being conservative and, uh, you know, not getting in over my head. Well, yeah, and Boston in particular, just like the way that course is laid out, you're just like, well, I know I trained properly, but are my quads really ready for whatever that did to my, you know, did to my body on those downhills at the beginning? And exactly. But I loved in your one of your pre-race interviews, um, you said your number one goal was to finish the distance, and that's something we can all relate to. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I think every single person who lines up for a marathon whether you're running a two hour marathon or a six hour marathon, your goal is to finish to complete the distance because that is in itself a very big undertaking and a huge victory. So the marathon though is relatively new to you. I mean, I know we're two years out from all that, but, um, you were a 5k runner, you have a 1525 5k PR, um, a 109 half PR, which Mm -hmm. I, I kept saying this in my last interview. I interviewed Noah Drotty and I kept interchanging between saying like 109 or 69. So te- mm-hmm. so I feel like 69 sounds like the professional way to say it, but <laughs> you've kind of entered the marathon uh, waters here. And so this is exciting for all of us to watch. Why at this time in 2016, at least, did you decide to take that jump? Yeah, that's an interesting story. So I graduated college as a 5k runner. I had never even run a 10k um, until that point. And so my first year as a pro was when I was exploring like the five mile, the 8k, the 10k, those sort of distances. But I really hadn't done anything longer. Um, I think Falmouth was the longest race I'd ever done. And that was a seven mile race. So uh, I guess fast forward to 2015. And I was coming off of a really difficult year. I had knee surgery in 2014 and it knocked me out. I wasn't able to run for four months and it was just a long rebuilding process. So I was just trying to sort of come up with something different that I couldn't compare myself to um, from previously before my knee surgery. And I was like, you know, uh, I did a couple like mile road races and, you know, just really mixed it up. And then I was like, I really want to try, um, a half marathon. And so at that point, I mean, I hadn't been doing really any half marathon specific training and I signed up for Gasparilla in Tampa and I had two weeks to train and like get ready. And so I had obviously a, a good base going into it, um, with some good speed work, but, I think the most I ever did, um, at half marathon pace was like five miles, um, total in a workout. And that was like five by mile. So I had breaks in between and I went into it having no idea what to expect. Um, and I remember sitting at dinner the night before just being like, I don't know if I've ever been so nervous for a race in my life because it just seems so long and Mm -hmm. so daunting. Um, and looking back, I sort of smile at that because now I love the half marathon. It's my favorite distance. (laughs) It's my favorite race to do. Um, but yeah, so I ended up, I just went out and I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to see what happens. And 
I just stayed really focused on my breathing and tried to stay as relaxed as possible. And I ran with people. So I wasn't wasting any extra energy. And Gasparilla is sort of cool because it starts in the dark. And so the first like five miles are in the dark. It's a a. 6am start. And then, um, you know, so by the time the sun comes up, you're like halfway through almost. Um, and I, it was really fun. I actually really liked that because it sort of broke up the race mm-hmm. where it was like, okay, the first person in the dark. Oh, okay. And now I only have six miles left. Good like, morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I remember I started with my sunglasses on top of my head because I always raced with sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I can't not wear my sunglasses because as soon as the sun comes <laughs> up, I'm going to need them. So my, I'm like on the starting line in the complete pitch black with my sunglasses like ready to go. <laughs> Um, and I, I was very grateful for them the last 5k, but I ended up, um, finishing second, just a, I think, um, a second or two behind Jen Rines who won the race and she's, you know, a three-time Olympian. And so that was just amazing. And my goal was just to qualify, um, for the Olympic trials. And that was a 115 at that point and ended up running a 112. Oh, wow. Um, which was, yeah, it was incredible. So I had such a good experience. And from that point forward, I was like, huh, you know, about this whole marathon thing, like <laughs> maybe if I just keep going up in distance, I'll continue to get better. Um, and that really helped me make that transition to more of like the longer road racing. Um, and so that was just the start of me uh, getting that marathon bug and it happened sooner than I expected. Yeah. Where, you know, just a year later I was towing the line at Boston. Okay. So that was 2015 then. <clears throat> yes. Uh, funny about the sunglasses because I'm the exact same way. Like even if it's like drizzling out, I'm like, well, I better have my sunglasses just in case. Like yes, if the exactly. sun comes out, like actually the marathon I ran this fall, it's funny. Cause when you look at pictures, Um, even at mile 25, like my sunglasses are still on the top of my head because it was so gloomy out of a day. And, um, my husband ran with me and he kept saying, I was wondering if you were ever going to just like get rid of those stupid sunglasses. (laughs) Nope. Nope. I mean, what optimistic, what if at mile 25 and a half, like the sun comes out and I can't possibly run a half mile without them. (laughs) Well, it's funny that you say that because I didn't do that in a race last year. I ran the uh, Arizona rock and roll um, in January of 2017. And it was raining at the start, so I didn't even put my sunglasses on. And I almost felt like I had like off equilibrium yeah. during the race. Like the sunglasses help me focus. That yeah. like gets me in my zone. Uh-huh. And I was like, man, I can't race without them. Like I need sunglasses with windshield wipers or something yes. to like get through on the the rainy days. But um flashback to college, I actually would I had a pair of like very lightly rose tinted glasses. And I would wear them in indoor track races. Oh my gosh. Just for that reason. Yeah. Like it helped me just stay really focused. So I don't know. Whenever I'm asked, what's your most important piece of gear other than your shoes? That's definitely the question or the answer that I, I give to that question is my sunglasses. <laughs> it's more important than my watch. It's more important than anything else. So when you wore your sunglasses indoors, were people like, why is she wearing sunglasses? Or mm-hmm. did they just kind of know that was like your signature thing? Um, I think people figure it out. Like I always had sunglasses feel better on. With it. So yeah, but man, I don't know how people survive without them. I know my husband runs in his 
glasses, like regular, oh, like full. <laughs> yes, like his regular glasses, and he's not like a slow runner. Like he runs pretty competitively, and I'm like, what are you doing? And you're he he'll go out for a race, and he'll have like almost he'll wear like tall socks, a backwards hat, and like glasses. <laughs> and I'm glasses. like, oh, you're just like hobby jogging a two a two forty five <laughs> marathon, no big deal. Well, if it makes your husband feel any better, my dad, who's an Olympian, he runs in his glasses also. So, <laughs> does he race? Did when he back in the day, did he like race race in his glasses? Um, he was like me, and that he always wore sunglasses, sunglasses when he raced. So probably prescription mm-hmm, but, sunglasses. I don't even know if they had that back in the nineties. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, maybe his eyesight was just better then. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, oh, probably. Now, yeah. Nowadays, he's like, oh, I can't run without my glasses, and he doesn't like contacts very much. So. Yeah, he runs in his in his regular glasses, which is hilarious. Well, it's interesting because he just my husband just got prescription sunglasses for the first time. Like he's blind as a bat, so he has to have something. Yeah. And so I do wonder, are you gonna start racing in your shades instead of your glasses glasses? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah. So Anyway, back to your running career. Um, I mean, a 109 half marathon, that's your PR. I mean, that predicts a really fast marathon. Yeah, tell me about it. I hate <laughs> how like those predictions never are quite 100% accurate. Um, I think it also means I'm supposed to run like a 428 mile or something, and yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. So um, it's just funny because it's all about like where your body is with your different strengths and weaknesses. I think Kim Smith is like a perfect example of this where she was an incredible half marathoner, um, but she struggled, uh, you know, comparatively to what um, her expectations would be uh, in the marathon. Mm. And so it's it's just different how, you know, everyone's everybody re- reacts in a different way. And, you know, you have to get a lot right in the marathon. But the half marathon is like, you know, I think I took a sip of water halfway and that was it. Yeah. But in the marathon, um, that's something that I really have to figure out is the fueling and the hydration. And I don't like that feeling of fluid sloshing in my stomach. And I have this like giant fear of, Oh my God, I'm going to have to stop and go to the bathroom Uh or something. So, um, you know, that's the, the marathon is a completely different beast than the half is. And I have yet to figure it out. Um, and I think that, you know, I've only done two marathons and I think that people who have done a lot more, still are trying to put it all together. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest thing is just learn from each opportunity. Every race gives you an opportunity to learn and to grow and to figure out who you are and what you need. And so that's what I try to do. I try to, you know, learn and become better with every performance. Well, yeah. And your debut marathon was at Boston where you already mentioned you had been like coming off an injury. And Mm -hmm. so you, you didn't have like the strongest buildup. And then you went and ran New York just like months later. And that is not a fast course anyway. Um, But you did PR by like five seconds. So you're in the Mm -hmm. 234s (laughs) now, but you mentioned um, that the fueling thing was kind of an issue for you in New York, like Mm -hmm. the last 10 K. So what, what did you do right? And what do you think you did wrong? So honestly, I'm extremely fortunate, you know, as the pros, we get to have, um, our own bottles so we can put whatever we want to into our bottles. Um, and then we give them to the race, uh, the night before, and then they put them out on the course every five K for us. Um, what I did wrong is that in my bottles, I put 
my gel into water. So that way I could just drink the gel um, in the water in my bottle and save the hassle of opening the gel, you know, trying to gag that down while taking water and having to, you know, do 10,000 things at once. Um, the issue was it was a little bit chilly. And so my gel just sort of froze at the bottom. And then I wasn't getting all of the sugars and the carbs and the energy that I needed to get through the race. So that was where I went wrong. Um, I need to figure that out. I need to figure out, um, a different fluid source. Um, and actually before I got pregnant, I, was thinking I would be running Boston again this spring. And so I was starting some of that prep. Um, and in my long runs, I was starting to take flat Coke, um, because I was trying every option I could. Uh And I actually really liked that. And it's not something that you can take like throughout the whole race, but it's just in the last couple bottles, it can be like a good source of quick energy for you. And I actually really liked um, flat Coke, which is hilarious because I don't really drink soda. Uh Um, but I was like, man, I'm open to trying anything. (laughs) And so, yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going to try. Um, I've been practicing well before I got pregnant. I was also practicing with sword, um, which is a all natural, um, carbohydrate mix that's designed for marathoners, um, and endurance athletes. And, um, so I was trying that one and I really like the flavors because they are not overly sweet. And that's the problem is I feel like so many of the drinks out there, like I can't drink Gatorade when mm-hmm. I'm running because it's so sweet. Um, and your taste buds change as you're running harder. And so I have to have something that would sort of take, taste gross if I was just sitting around being like, Oh, uh-huh. I don't want to drink this. This isn't sweet at all. But then when I'm running, it tastes sweet. Um, And then the other one I'd like to try is the Martin. And that's, you know, obviously been sort of a headliner one um, for a lot of the marathons recently. And again, it's a just highly um, concentrated source of energy fuel. Um, And I will see, I think it's something that I still have to figure out. Um, So I'm open to any suggestions if people have any ideas of what's worked really well for them, please pass them my way. But it's just a testament to that, like, everybody is so different. Everybody's body yes. receives fuel differently, and, like, the concentration affects us in different ways. So, I mean, yeah, you can't – it's just not like, oh, I figured this out one time, you know. It's you got to play with it. So it's interesting that you bring that up in the flat Coke thing because I remember I did a half Ironman once, and I did use flat Coke a little bit during mm-hmm. that training. Mainly, though, because after, like, the swimming and the biking, once I got to running, like, yeah, my stomach was so crazy, and it just, like, it tasted really good at the time when normally flat Coke is really pretty gross. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's so weird how that happens. So, who knows? <laughs> okay, so let's talk about um, injury a little bit, because you're 27, and you've dealt with quite a bit. I mean, in your career... It's like it's relatively long and relatively short all at the same time because you're so young in my in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you ran in high school, you ran competitively in college, you turned pro. But in those years since turning pro, you've had some like probably what I would describe really frustrating injuries that pop up at really inopportune times. So, yeah, definitely. Y- yeah. So kind of 
talk me through how you dealt with that mentally. Yeah. So the background on this is that I started running in eighth grade and I never had an injury until my senior year of college. So nine years I went, um, completely injury free, which isn't all that unusual since, um, you know, when you're in a period of growing, you have a lot more recovery hormones coursing through your body. You're younger. You don't have as many miles on your legs. You don't have as much pounding. My mileage was also very minimal. Um, when I was in eighth grade, I think I was doing, you know, 15, 20 miles a week. Mm-hmm. Um, when I graduated high school, I think I'd maxed at 50 miles per week and I had won a national championship. So I really maximized my talent, um, I think, at a young age and not really put too much stress on my body. Um, And that was thanks to my dad's coaching and his guidance where he knew, you know, hey, we shouldn't try and force as much out of her at a young age. Um, We should just let it naturally occur because running is something that could take her really far. And it has. Um, So, you know, in college, um, I ended up getting college paid for. because of running, which is, you know, I look back and at the time I didn't even really realize how uh-huh. amazing it was. But now that we're still paying my husband's school loans, um, <laughs> I'm like, this is incredible. Like, I think I made money in college <laughs> um, because I would get like a certain allotment for housing uh-huh. and it didn't cost as much. So then I would actually just bank some money, which is incredible. Um, and so <clears throat> I would say, it was 2012. Um, I had actually decided to turn pro early, which is actually something that I, I think if I look back, I probably would not have done. Um, but at the time it seemed like the right thing to do. And so I turned pro early because I was like, I'm all in for the Olympic trials, um, this June. And if I'm, uh, you know, on the collegiate schedule, it's not going to set me up. Um, as well, if I'm going to be racing every weekend from January to June, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up getting a uh, fracture in my foot um, during a race. Actually, I was running my first pro race uh, in Scotland. I had made a U.S. national team and it was cross country. And I stepped funny um, in a creek going around a, a turn and the last 200 meters of the race and I was closing in on third. And I think I really would have gotten third if this hadn't happened, but I ended up fourth, um, which I was still very pleased with, but I could hardly walk the rest of the day. And I was in a boot for, um, 12 weeks after that ended up missing the Olympic trials in 2012. And that was just extremely devastating and super heartbreaking. Um, and it was just one of those like really dumb fluke things that I just, stepped wrong and, you know, everything aligned (laughs) in in a bad way. Um, and so that was super devastating, but you know, I was 22 and Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, you know, I can get through this. It's going to be okay. Um, I have so much ahead of me and I was like, okay, 2016, this it's all going to happen. Um, and my husband and I had actually talked about, you know, that was when we would want to start a family is after 2016. And, you know, go run the Olympic trials, um, try and make the Olympic team, give it my best shot, start a family, um, and then see where we wanted to go from there. And so I, um, ended up running my one Oh nine half marathon. And at that point, um, 
during the race, it was the exact same scenario where I went around a sharp corner and I just felt something in my foot go wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was able to obviously finish the race. I think that was at five miles and I ran, you know, all the the 13.1 and I finished, but I couldn't cool down at all. I couldn't walk that night. Um, and again, I knew something wrong had happened during the race. And so I ended up having to, um, miss the 2016 marathon Olympic trials because of that foot injury. And so that was probably the hardest one for me. Mm -hmm. Um, just because it was like, man, is this just like, you know, my luck is, (laughs) you know, it's just right at the perfect time every single year that the Olympic trials are coming up. Um, I get a stupid foot injury, but anyways, it ended up all working out. And I am a believer that, uh, you know, things happen for a reason and that there's, uh, a greater plan that there's, there's something out there that's even better than what I can comprehend at that moment. And this has definitely played true over and over again in my life, but it's really hard when you're going through it and you're in the middle of it. So I ended up forgoing the Olympic trials. I was training, I was healthy at that point, but, um, I would have only had about eight weeks of running previously. And I was like, I'm not going to go into my first marathon, not prepared. Um, cause that is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up signing up for Boston that year and giving myself the extra two months, which made a huge difference for me. And so I was able to not rush the training. I was able to really ease into it. And I ended up, you know, Boston was an amazing race, um, being able to finish in the top 10 at a world major marathon, being the top American. I mean, that, that entire weekend was just so incredible. Um, and I was also born on the day of the Boston marathon and my dad was running the Boston marathon. And so it sort of felt like this full circle thing of like my first marathon was Boston and that's when I was born. And someone pointed out that it was like, I was, I turned 26 two days before Boston. And, um, so it was 26.2. And so people thought that was really cool. (laughs) So it was just like all these things aligned and I was like, this is amazing. Um, so I had such a great time. And at that point I was like, nope, I'm a marathoner. And so that's where I've been, um, ever since. And I was really looking forward to racing New York this past fall. Um, last spring I did a speed segment and I just focused on shorter races and racing more frequently. Um, and I finished third and two second places at, um, the national championships last, last spring in various events. So it was a really great spring for me. Um, I was looking forward to carrying that into a great fall and I ended up getting just some nagging tendonitis, um, in my like ankle area and, I could train, but I couldn't do speed work. And I was getting really frustrated with that because I felt like, you know, if I can't do speed work, I'm not going to be able to be race ready, um, for New York. And so I ended up having to withdraw, which was extremely disheartening. And I was really upset about that. Um, but my husband and I were talking and, you know, 2016 was that year that we wanted to have a family. And now it's, you know, been two years since that. And I was really starting to get that itch and really starting to feel like, um, running was taking away from that other goal that I had. And so I, uh, 
I didn't feel like I was a hundred percent dedicated and committed to my training at that point anymore. And so we decided, okay, let's try Let's see what happens. Um, and if not, then we'll do a spring marathon. So it was just a super low pressure, like either way, it'll be great. And it turned out we got pregnant really quickly. Um, and so I, you know, again, everything happens for a reason and here I am. Um, you know, I'm really excited to be starting this new chapter of our lives and bringing this new little person into the world. And then I have every intention of getting back to running and being able to do both my goals simultaneously of being a mom and being a, you know, Olympic hopeful and a, a good marathoner for the U.S. Yeah, well, you must have got pregnant like a week after New York because I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm due August 10th and I ran a marathon the same weekend of New York and it must, I was like two weeks later, I must have got pregnant based on all of the timing of everything. And I'm like, exactly. Thank God it was like after the marathon, you know. Yeah, um, well. I think, what was it? Sally Kipiego got um, second at New York last year, like four weeks pregnant. So she was, fo- oh, like, had she not, had she not taken <laughs> she, a test yet? No, she had no idea. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Those first like two weeks there, <laughs> like from when you can see, because you know how like what they, you count back to like even two weeks before you can see. Exactly. It's like yeah. those first two weeks there, your body is still or like, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, but once man, once you take that test and you get to like six weeks, your body starts being being like, all right, I'm tired. <laughs> oh, I swear. It's so emotional. I felt that way too. Cause like the week before I found out, I was like, Oh, running's going really well. Like things are clicking. I'd done like a 65 mile week. I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel like myself again. And then the one morning I woke up and I was like, I'm so dizzy. I feel awful. And I took a test and I was like, Oh my God, this is, you know, no wonder I feel so bad and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> It was like, it just switched like right away. Um, and then from that point forward, I was like, I'm exhausted. I can't run very far. Or I can't do anything faster. Um, so it's funny how it, it does become very emotional. As soon as you find out, um, I felt like I was, I just lost like all competitive drive to yes. push myself in any way because I was afraid of hurting him. So, yeah. so when did you find out that it's a boy? We actually found out at 11 weeks. Okay. So yeah, we did um, the genetic testing. Our um, birthing center offers it to everyone, not just people who are over 35. Yeah. So it was great. Um, And my husband, I could have gone either way. I was fine, like knowing or not knowing. Um, I would say for the first eight weeks, I like didn't even think about whether it's a boy or girl. I was just so worried that something was going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, that all I could think of was just like, just stay in there, just stay in there. You're okay. Come on, baby. You got this. Um, and then after eight weeks, my husband, I told my husband at eight weeks, I didn't tell him right away. (gasps) Are you serious? Um, You waited two weeks, (laughs) three weeks. Yeah. So I found out, um, at (gasps) six weeks. How did you wait? Well, the problem is my husband cannot keep a secret. And so (laughs) I was not comfortable telling our family and we were going home for Christmas and well, the week before Christmas. And so we were going to be around our family, a bunch of friends. And I was like, it's too early. Like I, this is still so new and I'm not ready to share it with other people. And I knew that if I told him, he would tell everyone (laughs) back home. And so I had to keep it a secret for two weeks. I don't know how you did that. And then I told him on Christmas, um, I put the, the pregnancy test in a little stocking 
and wrapped it up and gave it to him on Christmas. So he opened it and he was like shocked. He didn't get it at first. He's like, wait, what? Huh? Really? And I was like, yeah. And then I just started crying. I was like, are you mad at me? He's like, um, why would I be mad? I was like, because I didn't tell you for two weeks. (laughs) So, um, but no, so then it was very important to him to find out. Uh, the the sex of the baby. Um, and I think it was more like a connection for him because mm-hmm. I don't know if you've experienced this, but like nothing in the guy's life really changes. Like yeah. everything in our life changes. Like immediate from, immediately from the time that we pee on that stick, like everything shifts. Mm-hmm. And so for him, nothing had changed and I didn't really look that much different, um, you know, that early. And so I think to like make it real, he needed to know like what our family is going to look like in the future. Um, and I think that he, like, that was part of like the connection for him was, um, you know, getting to know that it was a boy and that it's like very real. Um, so, and it's fun. It's nice knowing that it's a boy now because it it does help with like decorating and, you know, baby gifts and all that stuff. But are you going to find out or have you found out? Um, we are finding out next Tuesday. I'm so excited. Okay. Because oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I have three boys. So okay. <laughs> I'm like, I just assume it's going to be a boy, but I, and I don't want to say, I don't want to get my, cause I don't want to get my hopes up that it's a girl because I, you know, you have to say this, like, I don't care either way. You want to help right. the baby. Yeah. Yeah. But like, part of me is like, I, it'll just be such a different experience is it if it's a girl that mm-hmm. it, it that ex- the thought of that does excite me to be completely honest yeah um, oh totally so I don't know what we're gonna do though I think so my husband um I have a babysitter on Tuesdays and Thursdays when I like record my podcast and stuff and um so I pur- purposely scheduled it on a Tuesday and so my husband's gonna meet me at the doctor for the ultrasound and then I don't think we're gonna have him tell us though I think we're gonna have him write it down and then like open it together with the boys. Yeah. That's what we did too, is we, we just picked up the little note and then we opened it. Yeah. Because um, there's something like, yeah, there's something like kind of cool about finding out right then and there, but then it's also like you're with this random ultrasound tech and like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the way we did it with our first. Cause I was like, Oh, that's just what you do. You find out at your ultrasound. Um, and then we didn't find out with my second at all. And then, uh, my third, what did we do? Oh, my, um, my husband's mom was very sick. So we, um, we did like a cake and like did a gender reveal thing like at her house so that she could be a part okay. of the celebration. Yeah. So I think we're going to do something fun like that with my boys. Cause I said, if we find out like on our own before them and then we like surprise them, they're going to care for like five seconds and we're going to be like, well, that wasn't any fun. You guys don't even care. <laughs> because <laughs> they're so little my kids are so little yeah oh well that's so exciting yeah congratulations I'm, yeah I'm really excited um and probably my last pregnancy I would say yeah so if it's a girl great and if it's a boy great great I mean, you're done we're good yeah we're good either way yep hey everybody before we continue this conversation with Neely I want to thank one of our sponsors for this episode and that is Casper Mattress Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. You spend one third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. Casper has a breathable design that helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. 
Casper mattresses are designed, developed, and assembled in the United States. And they have affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to the consumer. Casper mattresses provide all the support the human body needs in all the right places. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google, Casper is becoming the internet's favorite mattress. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. And they also have free shipping in returns in the U.S. and Canada. So start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper and get $50 towards select mattresses when you visit casper.com slash have another and use the promo code have another at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. This offer is only applicable to a mattress purchase. So go to casper.com slash have another and use the code have another to get $50 toward a select mattress. Thanks Casper for supporting this episode of all have another podcast. So, but I want to talk to you about, um, running through your pregnancy because I find this really interesting talking to professional runners that are deciding that they want to, like you said, I mean, you felt like running was kind of interfering with this other big goal that you had in your life. And, um, I talked to Molly Huddle about it a little bit because she's, uh, I think about the same age as me. She's 33. And it's kind of like a question you don't ask people like, well, do you want to have kids? Are you going to have kids? But it's something we think about whether we want to have kids or not. And I kind of picked her brain a little bit about, are you waiting for your career to be done or what? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you're kind of like, you've made this decision to sandwich this in. Like, you know that like 2020 is a huge year in mm-hmm. the running community. And so what made you decide like, you know, because you're 27. So yep. you have more time, but like plenty of time really. But like, what made you decide, no, I want to do this now. And I want to pursue both at the same time. Yeah. So there's like a two part answer to this one. So I actually lost my period in college for four years. I didn't get it at all. And during that time, um, I was terrified that I would never be able to have kids. And so that was, I mean, I think I was three when my sisters were born. And at that point I knew that I loved babies. I guess been my whole life where I've been very, um, I I just, I love being around kids in high school. I was a nanny um, and I've always volunteered at the church nursery and different things. So I really knew that I wanted to be, um, you know, a mom and have that opportunity. So whenever I was afraid that maybe um, it wouldn't happen, I, uh, I went through like this time of like crisis almost. (laughs) It was like, I will do anything. Like it does not matter um, at all, like whatever it takes, whether, um, it's, you know, stopping running forever or whatnot. And so I ended up finding out that I had, um, an elevated prolactin level. Um, and it was a result of wearing a sports bra actually. How did you find that out? Because I heard you say that before. Yeah. So I ended up seeing an endocrinologist and they did a whole bunch of blood work and they were able to find that I had this prolactin level, which basically tells your body that you're pregnant mm. and that you are, should start, you know, preparing to breastfeed. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up, I took a, um, 
a prescription twice a week that helped lower that hormone. And as soon as I did that, I got my period back and it's been fine for the past four years. And so that was amazing. Um, and then I started to feel a lot more comfortable. So in 2016, when we decided to push it off at that point, I was like, running's going great. Um, my husband and I were just getting settled into Colorado and I was like, Oh, you know, we have plenty of time. I'm not rushed right now. And, um, so then fast forward to this year, uh, all of my friends started having babies. Mm. My sister's having a baby. Um, and Your younger sister. Yes. My younger sister's having a baby, um, three months before me. And so all these things. And I was just like, as soon as I got hurt with the tendonitis this fall and running wasn't clicking, um, I just started to feel like, oh, you know, I, I have something missing. Like I need something else in my life. Um, and it just seemed like really good timing because it's the off year. So there's not an Olympics, there's not a world championships. And, um, so again, like we just, we talked about it and I was like, well, let's just not put a ton of pressure on it. Um, and at this point I was still like, I wonder if I can get pregnant. Like I, I thought that everything was seeming completely normal for me, but I didn't know. And so, and I think that's why my husband was so shocked when I told him, because I don't think that he thought that it was going to happen. Um, and so my whole thing was I wanted two kids. Um, and I felt like if I waited until 2020, then I would be like, oh, you know, I'm 30, 30, mid thirties, early to mid thirties is when it seems like history has shown that, um, you know, women seem to peak in the marathon, Mm -hmm. um, during that time. Um, so I was like, if I hit, you know, 2020 things are going really well. Um, you know, I'll be re-signing a contract at that point and, that if that's the case, then I'll have to wait a whole year until I could get pregnant. Um, and then I started thinking, oh, but then I'll be so close to 2024 and that will be like my <laughs> peak year. Like that should be my big one. And I was like, and then I'm going to be like 38 and not have any kids. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, this is so terrible. And of course that's like very typical for me to like, think of like, you know, every possible issue that could happen in the next 10 years. Um, But I was like, you know what, I just, I think we need to just try and see if we can have a baby now and then we can wait for the second one and we can have the second one and when, you know, after 2024 and that's fine, but I don't want to have two at that point, you know? And so that was basically where we were at and, um, it's working out great so far and it's been quite a transition, um, from going to, you know, running hundred mile weeks, um, you know, just being living the life of a, of a marathoner, which is actually pretty selfish and mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty focused mm-hmm. on, um, you know, what your needs are and all of that to just not caring and it just having to be a hundred percent about the baby. So, um, you know, for me right now, my life is so different than it's ever been. And I've never not run like voluntarily. I've never had a time where I'm like, Oh no, well, (laughs) I'm just not going to run. And I don't know when I'll run again. Um, and so that's been a really strange, uh, thing for me to wrap my head around, but I actually think it's been way easier than I expected. Yeah. I mean, I think that when you're pregnant too, it's kind of a healthy break to just give your body and your 
mind a break to not feel, not that you felt obligated to run because you love to run and that's what you do. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of nice to say, you know what? Like I'm tired today. I'm carrying a baby and I don't feel like running today. So I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, nope, that's exactly how it is. Yeah. But I was going to say too, um, you know, when you were talking about your, your fear of not being able to get pregnant because of the amenorrhea and, mm-hmm. um, I feel very fortunate in my life that obviously I'm pregnant with my fourth. I'm actually pregnant with my sixth cause I've had two miscarriages, but, okay. but I feel very fortunate and I know that there are probably people listening to this podcast right now that have walked through infertility and are walking through it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a topic I haven't uh, talked about too much on the show yet, but um, I do very specifically remember a time in my life when um, I I had been on birth control for a year and then I got off because uh, we had been married for a year and we were like, well, we don't want to get pregnant yet, but like, we'll see when it happens. So let's just like, you know, let my body do its thing. And it mm-hmm. took me like a very long time to get my period back. Um, Mm -hmm. And I went to the doctor. They diagnosed me with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which was like, Oh gosh, it was an incorrect diagnosis. It was like, my body was just not processing things how it should at that time. But it, that's kind of more of like a long-term diagnosis in this general practitioner doctor, just like kind of like threw out the diagnosis without like much investigation, you know, but at 26 or however old I was, I think I was 26, it was terrifying to me because you look at this piece of paper with this diagnosis that says, it'll probably be really hard for you to ever get pregnant, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's a terrifying feeling to feel like maybe that won't happen for you. So when I talk about having all these babies, like I hope that everybody listening knows that I, I talk about with a sensitive heart, knowing that people are walking through, um, that struggle because it, it is really, really hard. Oh, and I 100% agree with that. Um, my my best friend slash training partner, um, she ended up having a miscarriage with her first, and I was right there, you know, with her through it all. And um, her husband was actually traveling at the time, and so it was just really hard for her. And I got to be there and see her go through it, and it was just so heartbreaking, but now she has a very happy baby girl. And so Mm -hmm. it's been really exciting to see that happen for her. Um, and to just learn that, wow, so many people have gone through this. Um, I think I was reading that it's like, you know, one in four pregnancies, um, result in a miscarriage. And that's just, Uh, I think that there needs to be more support for women out there who have gone through that because it seems like it's a taboo topic. Like people don't want to talk about that. Um, And I think that there needs to be more about that. And yeah, the, the amenorrhea and, you know, the concern of not being able to conceive or carry a healthy baby. um, That's a very real thing. And it is, it's so scary. And I remember when they were doing all the testing for me, they did an ultrasound, um, to measure and make sure everything was working as it should. Mm-hmm. And I just remember it was such an impactful moment because I looked at the ultrasound and I was like, every ultrasound I've ever seen has a baby in it mm. and mine is empty. And is there, is it ever going to have a baby, in it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that was, it was terrifying. Um, and so, yeah, for everyone who's going through it, um, and who's, you know, been struggling, um, you know, there's a lot of people out here to support you and talk to us. Um, I think that's, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, don't feel like you're alone. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been meaning to actually have the topic of infertility on my show for some time, and it just hasn't happened yet. So this is motivating me to make it happen. (laughs) Um, Yes, I like it. So tell me this. How has your running been in your pregnancy? Like, what are you doing right now? I mean, I know you said you recently got had a issue come up, but like through the first trimester and stuff, what did that look like? Yeah, so I, like I said, I was getting back into training at that point. Um, I had taken three months where I'd done one month off, um, you know, recovering from the injury and then a month of like running every other day, just lightly. And then a month of like rebuilding that mileage up. And so that was when I found out I was pregnant. So I had gotten pregnant like halfway through that point. Um, and I, I think I, I was running like 65 mile a week the week I found out, um, I ended up doing a 69 mile week, which was my highest. Um, and that was like week six to seven. Oh, wow. Um, in your pregnancy? In my pregnancy. Wow. Yeah. Um, and what was so funny is that I had a long run that day. Um, and I had 13 and a half miles planned and my husband, I hadn't told him at the time, he's also (laughs) my coach. And so he was, he was like writing out my training for the next couple months and I couldn't tell him not to write out my training. (laughs) It was so uncomfortable. And so I was like, I was so nervous for this long run because I was like, oh my gosh, like I have to get through this long run. And he was like, I want you to average sub seven, um, for the whole thing and all this stuff. And for me, um, you know, 13 and a half miles, that's sometimes an easy recovery day in big marathon training. So, um, for it to be like this huge, scary long run that I'm like concerned about was definitely, uh, sort of funny, but anyways, I remember I did the run and it was so difficult. And the person I was running with, they had to stop to go to the bathroom at like mile four. And I was like, thank God I get a break. (laughs) I could like stand there and like breathe for a couple minutes. And I just tried to like have a conversation that made the other person talk a lot more. So that way, like they could talk and I could just focus on breathing because that's (laughs) the one thing I noticed was like right away, I couldn't breathe at all. Um, and so I ended up finishing that run and I was so hungry and so exhausted. I like ate lunch and I laid down and I took a nap. And then like two hours later, I got a snack and then I took another nap. I ended up taking three naps after the 13 mile (laughs) run. And if you know me at all, I am such a bad sleeper when it comes to training. Um, I, I really need to, um, and I'm hoping after the baby, I'll be better at resting um, in between training sessions because I'm very much of like an energizer bunny and go, go, go. And I don't sit down. And, um, anyways, that's, it's probably a fault, but that was the biggest thing that I noticed was I am just so tired. Um, and so having a run like that just zapped me. And so that's when I realized, Hey, I needed not to long runs. Um, my body's working really hard to do other things right now. Um, and I'm not going to do workouts because again, um, what's the point. And for me, it's just been listening to my body. Um, you know, some days I'd only run a mile, some days I would run eight miles, but I haven't really done over an hour, um, for the past two months. Um, 
I actually was starting to feel pretty decent. I had been running like 40 mile weeks um, leading up to last week when my back thing started. And at this point, I'm hoping that the back issue is just a phase and yeah. it's something that is just part of my body, like adjusting um, to carrying extra weight um, and to being off balance and to having this like, you know, balloon belly um, that's, you know, pushing on various different parts of uh, my spine. But um, you know, if it's not, it's not, and it's going to be fine either way. Um, I had no intention to run all the way through. Um, not that there's anything wrong with women who can and are able to do that, but I just knew that, you know, with the heat of summer, um, and being pregnant that it just, I didn't feel like it was going to make sense for me. Um, and with wanting to get back to training afterwards, um, you know, I don't want to, risk in any injuries, um, or anything like that, that could occur from, you know, just my form and everything changing. And so I've been able to do some walking and I have, um, been able to do some biking. So I bike with my husband while he runs. And so I still get to get out. Um, this morning I met up with some friends and biked with them for their run. So I'm still able to have that social time because I really rely on that. I work from home as a coach. And if I don't have my social time in the morning to run with people and talk, um, then I don't talk to anyone all day. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> then I my husband comes home and he's like, you're driving me crazy. <laughs> so I need, I need that outlet. Um, so it's been great. We just moved to a new neighborhood in May and it's a ton of young families. And so that's been amazing because I'm making a lot of mom friends and I'll text them in the morning and be like, Hey, do you guys go out for a walk or you go to the park? No, I'll, <laughs> I'll bring our dog Strider and we'll play with you guys. Um, so that's been really fun. And I'm just finding, you know, other people to hang out with and other ways to, um, you know, socialize and, uh, you know, keep busy, I guess, because that's, that's important for me is, um, you know, to have that. And one of my biggest fears, I think about not being able to run while pregnant was that, oh my gosh, I'm not going to have any friends anymore yeah. <laughs> because what I do with my friends is we run together. So that's, it's been a great transition and, um, you know, I I'm just listening to my body every day. Um, you know, I just have no expectations as to, as to what it's going to need on that day. Well, yeah. And I like that you said, um, I think you posted on Instagram that you're just going to run until it's not fun anymore. And that's a really mm -hmm. healthy way to look at it. Like for instance, yesterday I ran two miles and I felt like crap. And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, this isn't any fun. Like what? So I stopped and I got on the stair, like the stair climber for like 10 minutes to like get to 30 minutes of cardio just to like, you know, feel good for the day. Um, mm -hmm. But then today I ran for an hour and I felt amazing. So it's just like, crazy how your body feels so different on different days and listening to it is important because like 19 weeks pregnant like if I don't feel happy running these two miles or more than two miles why am I continuing you know like what's, yeah, the, what's point? the point <laughs> exactly yeah no and I think that's so essential and I think that a lot of what pregnancy does is it helps you become a good mom because there's a lot of times when you have a young baby that you can't make plans, that you don't know what the day is going to bring, um, that you don't know how they're going to be responding or how they're going to handle certain situations. Sure, yeah. And so I think that that's a lot of it is during pregnancy, lesson. you start to learn this. Um, yep. And, 
it just becomes part of your lifestyle already so that by the time you have the baby, it's just natural. Yeah, you learn very quickly that your life does not revolve around you anymore. Exactly. <laughs> you can have your own passions and dreams. And we, you know, I, I'm very passionate about following that. But like when it is all said and done, like that little person is dictating a whole lot. <laughs> yes. And it starts from a very young age. I remember um, like the first week that I found out, I was like, you're the size of a blueberry. How are you making me this Feel sick this and sick. this tired? <laughs> like, how does that happen? Yeah. So speaking of that, though, I was just thinking your husband works in Denver. You work as a coach. And obviously after baby, you're going to, you know, once you're recovered and you start training again, you're going to be like very intensely training for, you know, the next seasons. What what's your child care plan? Yeah. So I mentioned that we have this great neighborhood and it's super popular here to do a nanny share. Mm. So that's my plan is I'm, that's awesome. I've talked to a couple, couple moms in the neighborhood and yeah, so I'll just be able to drop him off in the morning and I need three hours a day to do my training. Yeah. Um, and so for me, you know, I'm like, man, my kid has it great. Like a lot of parents have to, you know, after six or eight weeks of maternity leave, have to drop their kid at daycare for eight hours or more. Um, so for me, I feel super fortunate um, to be able to have that opportunity to do, you know, something super easy and low stress for him um, and to, you know, only need to be away from him for, you know, three hours at a time. So that's my plan. Um, I also have a uh, Thule uh, baby jogger. Okay. So I'm super excited to uh, try that out. So I think I'll be able to do some second runs or yeah. easy stuff, yeah. especially when I'm first getting back, um, you know, being able to run with him. Um, and of course I'll start off with just walking, <laughs> um, but I'll slowly get back there. And I'm really looking forward to having that also. Um, so yeah, I think that overall it's going to be a, a really good experience, but um, I feel really fortunate, yeah, that we have this great neighborhood and a lot of the moms here have been like, oh, well, if you ever need anything, just let us know. Like <laughs> you can drop them off for a little while. He can play or whatever. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't think it's going to be overly stressful. Um, and I think it's what you make of it too. Totally. Yeah. You, you set, you set your mindset, like you decide how you're going to think about things. Well, I was going to ask you about the stroller runs because I remember like way back in the day when Kara Goucher had her son and he was still pretty little. Um, I think he's probably like six by now or six or Mm -hmm. seven. Um, but I remember her saying in an interview one time that she did not stroller run him because running was her job. And she just kind of felt like she wanted to keep that separate. So I was curious to see if, for your easy runs or second runs, if you would be interested in in stroller running? Yeah, I think for me, um, I actually hate second runs. It's like my least favorite thing ever. Um, I'll do a four mile warm up before a workout and get in 15 to 20 miles in a workout in the morning. But if you have to make me run three miles in the afternoon, (laughs) it feels like eternity. And so I think it'll actually help me do second runs Um, and it'll let me slow down because I think that's one of the biggest things is I start to be like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not running fast enough. I should be running faster. Like I feel so terrible um, or whatever. But this, the second run is not meant to build, build fitness. The second run is meant to flush out the body and recover. Um, And when you run, 
you produce recovery hormones. And so that's the whole goal of the second run. So I actually think that it could be a positive thing for me to run with the stroller. Um, and the other thing is my husband runs when he gets home from work. So it could be like a little bit of a family oh, thing yeah. um, where mm -hmm. we could go out and do a family run together. And for me growing up with, um, you know, a professional runner as dad, uh, I loved getting to go along and do things. Um, and that was so much fun for me. And when I look back on that, I, I wish that I remembered more of it. And I wish that I would have recognized how special it was at that time. And so I want our child to have that same experience. I want him to be included and a part of it. Yeah, I do love that we include our kids in, in a lot of our running here. I mean, neither of us are professional runners, but like just this past weekend, we ran five miles. My husband pushed the double. I pushed the single. And it's like, I like that my kids, um, that's just kind of like part of what they knew, grow, they'll have known growing up. And, mm -hmm. you know, like people are always like, how do you get your kids to stay in the stroller that long? Because we've done like 20 mile runs with them. And I think it's part of it is that it's all they've ever known. But another part of it is that there have been runs where they cry and it's not enjoyable. And we just like stick it out and like get through those like hard, mm -hmm. you know, like when they first learn to walk, like sometimes they don't really want to be in the stroller for an hour because they're wanting to do other things, but we've kind of right. like powered through. Um, and it is totally. really special. Yeah. I, I think that, I think that you'll really enjoy stroller runs based on what I know of you so far. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm super excited about it. And I've actually, um, been talking with Thule, um, about the, uh, stroller races and oh, potentially, cool thinking that maybe I'll try a couple stroller races um, as my first couple races back. So that way uh, I don't have the expectation yeah. and I'm not comparing myself and all of that. I can have a little bit more fun and a little bit less pressure. Um, so yeah, so I've actually, I've discussed that as an option. Um, so I got to have to, I have to practice a couple times a week with the stroller to be ready for that. So that'll be so <laughs> but fun. I think I do think that the majority of my running will be without the stroller yeah. and it will be, you know, focused. Um, but I do, I do want to run with the stroller and I do want to include him, um, in what we're doing. And, you know, of course there'll be a time and place where he probably won't be able to travel to every event with me and that sort of thing. Um, just because I do want a little bit of that separation of, you know, I, I, I need to focus, I need to follow yeah. my career and I need to not have all the distraction. Um, but early on, I would love for him to be involved. And then um, once he gets past the, the crazy toddler stage, then um, same thing, getting back into it. Totally. So. Hey, guys, it's me again. I want to jump in real quick and thank one of our sponsors for this episode. This is one of my favorite, favorite companies, Lily Trotters. Finally, a stylish, high-performance compression sock for women. Lily Trotters compression socks are marathon strong and designer inspired. You get fit, comfort, and style whether you're running a marathon or a mile. Made in the USA, Lily Trotter's compression socks are perfect for the runner, traveler, expectant mom, or you name it. If you follow me on Instagram, I'm lindsayhine626. You will see in one of my recent posts, I have a pair of Lily Trotter socks on. It was my post from this past Saturday. I did a in-home workout with the boys. I did a beach body workout because... I didn't feel like getting out in the wind and cold. And so I did an in-home workout and I was sporting my Lily Trotter socks. You guys have to go 
look at this picture because the socks are so adorable and they're so comfortable. I wear them all day. It's the picture where one of my kids is hanging on my back and the other one is laying next to me. So I'm really excited to offer listeners an exclusive offer of 25% off your order. When you go to lilytrotters.com, just use the code ANOTHER at checkout. Links to that will be in the show notes. And that's L-I-L-Y-T-R-O-T-T-E-R-S.com. Use the code ANOTHER to get 25% off your order. Hey, if you're traveling to Boston, those will feel real good wearing on the plane and they're cute and comfortable. All right. Thanks, Lily Trotters, for supporting this episode of the podcast. Um, okay. I have a couple uh, questions. I, I made a post on Instagram before uh, our chat and I had a couple people chime in and ask some questions. So, Ooh, yay. I love these. And there are things... Um, that we didn't get to today, but that might, that are going to get brought up in some of these questions that I had kind of in, intended on getting to, but I wasn't sure where our, we'd go. And one is the Lyme disease thing. And I kind of was thinking about that when we talked about injury, just kind of like overcoming these hurdles that you've had to come. You have Lyme disease. And somebody wants to know, Mar- Mariana, uh, she wants to know, could you please ask Neely to talk about her experience with Lyme and whether or not it was something that made her hesitant to get pregnant? Yeah, actually, that's a really good uh, question because they say about one out of four pregnancies, if you have Lyme, will get passed on to your kid. And so that has been a fear of mine. Um, It's not something that I want to, you know, not get pregnant as a result of. Um, I just want to stay really healthy and try and keep my immune system up during this time. So that way I don't have a flare up um, because it's often a result of an active flare up Mm. that would, uh, you know, give the baby Lyme through the umbilical cord. So as of right now, I'm hoping that it's not going to be a problem. Um, But the other thing is I'll also be really cautious with monitoring, um, you know, if I see any signs with him, you know, knowing that that is a possibility, that's something that um, could be there. Um, So yes, Lyme has been an issue, um, but I have actually done really well in the past um, three or four years. And so I think 2013 and 2014 um, were the most difficult time for me. And from that point forward, it's gotten a lot better. Um, And my husband is also feeling so much better. And so I think we're on the other side of it. But we also know that we have a good support system and we can figure it out if the time comes that we would need to do that. Well, I'm so glad that you guys are feeling healthy and it's so good that you listen so closely to your body so that like if you start flaring up with it, like you know what steps you need to take to kind of make it go away if you can. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and yeah. I also know this, the early signs. Yeah. So I'm able to catch it a lot earlier than I did initially. And that's when you get so miserable is yeah. when it gets really bad. Oh, sure. I bet. Um, okay. Ted wants to know, you've ran... You've run Peachtree Road Race before, and mm-hmm. she'd like to know. He'd like to know if you have any tips for running races in hot and humid humid conditions. Yes, so I've run and actually done very well in a lot of different warm, humid uh, races, and so Peachtree is one of them. Um, I've run Peachtree twice, and my recommendation is to make sure that you start your hydration four days prior to the race. So that way you can really top off your 
fluid levels, fill up those cells, saturate them. Um, and I suggest alternating an electrolyte bottle and then a water bottle and just doing that throughout the day um, for the four days leading up to the race. And then on race morning, make sure that you try and stay as cool as possible. Um, and one of the things that I recommend is freezing those mini water bottles um, and and carrying them in your hands because your hands have a mm -hmm. lot of surface area for blood vessels and that'll help cool your overall body temperature by keeping those cold water bottles in your hand and then you just ditch them right before the start and your your core temperature won't have elevated already before you even start so those are the two tips that I have for running in the heat oh I like the water bottle tip that's really good so Molly, my friend Molly Turner, she wants to know if you have any experience with sleep deprivation. She, she's talking about you having a newborn. <laughs> so it's sort of funny because I'm the one that's getting, that needs more sleep. My husband does not need as much sleep. So we've already discussed that he will be doing more of the nighttime stuff um, after, you know, the first early newborn period. Um, so honestly... I do fine for like two or three days and then all of a sudden I like crash really hard. Same. Um, yeah. So it's going to be a challenge for sure. It's uh, something that I'm not a hundred percent looking forward to. And um, that's going to be, I think in my opinion, the, the biggest adjustment for yeah. us. Well, you're entering the battle like with like, you know, you're not going into it blindly. Well, you are because you've never done it, but like you're entering, like, look, sounds like you've thought this through yes. and you know what? I love that your husband is stepping up and doing that. Like, um, actually this last baby, my husband was the same way because he, he would like take our son in the middle of the night for like a week at a time because our lives were just so much happier when I slept more and he, mm -hmm. he just did, doesn't it doesn't affect him nearly as negatively as it affects me. And so he was just like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And it, our marriage was better and our family <laughs> life was better. And I still thank him like all the time for that because it was so helpful. Yeah. Well, that's great to hear. And I hope that ours goes as smoothly as that. Also. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a couple people have questions, which we kind of already covered, but a couple people, Jennifer and, um, Laura, they just have fitness related questions around your pregnancy. Like have your goals changed or, you know, like what do you, are you planning to do anything during pregnancy or, you know, soon after pregnancy to get yourself back in shape? Yeah. So I mentioned that I've been walking. I've also been able to use the elliptigo and that's been a great cross training tool for me through all of my injuries. I actually use, usually use it when I'm not injured just for like, um, instead of a run, um, like a second run, I'll do an elliptigo ride and just get the, um, the aerobic, uh, conditioning from it. And so the elliptigo is a bike that's an elliptical. Um, so I can take my elliptical outside essentially. Uh, so then I'm not getting so bored being inside and it's been great. Um, while pregnant because of balance issues and fear of falling and all of that, um, I've just kept it on the trainer in my garage, but that's been great. Um, because again, the low impact is awesome and to have that. So I do foresee that I'll be using that throughout pregnancy and then in my comeback as well. Um, I've also heard that walking after you have the baby is really helpful and I plan to do that. Um, and then I, 
have been doing, uh, some pregnancy specific core workouts, um, with Celeste who is at Recore fitness, um, on Instagram. And that's been fantastic having some specific, uh, pregnancy strengthening for the pelvic floor, um, for, you know, those inner core muscles that really need to be, uh, kept strong all the way through to help with delivery and recovery. Um, so I've been doing that and then I've been able to lift a little bit, um, right now because my back, I've just been doing some arm stuff. And so I'm just trying to, you know, enjoy what I'm doing. If I don't feel like doing anything, I don't. And if I feel motivated to do something, then I do. Um, so most days I do, um, you know, at least an hour or so of something. And I think that that time really helps me just feel more like myself. I feel like I still have my routine and then, um, you know, I feel like I can start my day off in a better place. Yeah. Um, one of my listeners and friends, Abby Bales, she is a physical therapist and she does a lot of with like the core and pelvic floor and, um, she's super passionate about it. And I have to say, I have not been as proactive as I should be with any of that. And that's why when I saw your post yesterday, you were doing some like active core stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I was thinking, Oh man, I really need to be better about that. Just because I know it like for injury prevention and just to get your body back to where it wants to be after baby, you know? Oh, absolutely. But you also have three other kids and that's incredible. (laughs) So I, I can't even imagine if I had to, uh, take care of other kids. I struggle, um, with like just taking care of daily household chores. Um, so I can't even imagine. So I'm sure that you are doing just fine and your body (laughs) has been through it and knows what to do. Yeah. There's definitely some like cross training and core work wrangling three, three boys, five and under that's for sure. Yes. Um, okay. Last listener question. Uh, Holly is interested to know about running for Adidas. It doesn't seem like a brand that, you see a ton of long distance professional runners running for. So tell us about just signing with them and running for them and what that looks like. Yeah, I have loved running for Adidas. I signed with them in um, August of 2016 and they've been really great, super supportive. Um, They actually have Wilson Kipsang, who um, is the former uh, marathon world record holder. So there are some, um, you know, pretty elite, uh, distance runners who are Adidas, Yeah, but, um, within the U S she's absolutely right that yeah. there really aren't that many, um, here in the U S. And so that was actually appealing for me was that I felt like this could be like my niche, like, mm. uh, you know, maybe they were looking for a really strong, um, you know, U S marathoner. And so, I, I would say that that's sort of how I see myself and view myself as, um, you know, Adidas, uh, their U S, uh, distance runner. And so that's been really fun for me. Um, yeah, it's, so how it works is they basically pay me a salary, um, per year to run for them. They send me lots of free clothes, lots of free shoes, um, which is fantastic. And then essentially I become like a contracted employee for marketing, um, And my goal and my job and my role for Adidas is to wear the stuff and for people to see it. And so it works out great because 
running clothes are pretty comfortable. So that's what I wear like 27. <laughs> um, like most of the time, um, I would say I can't even remember the last time I put on a pair of jeans, I know. Um, especially now, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, it's been fantastic. And then I get bonuses for, um, you know, achievements and races. So if I'm top three at big races, um, I can get bonuses. If I run certain times, I can get bonuses. And so those are the things that, um, provide some competition impetus when you're out there. Okay. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's worked out really well. Um, I wouldn't say that it's a super stable job, um, <laughs> you know, because the second you're injured, um, or you're pregnant, you know, you're not racing, um, you don't get those. And so it's really nice that I have my husband who, you know, can provide us health insurance and a paycheck every two weeks and that sort of thing. Um, and so it's running is really great when you're on and it's more challenging when you're off. Um, but I mean, I still, I feel so fortunate that my, my passion in, is my career. And then I've also added in the, um, the coaching business mm-hmm. so that I have that. And that also gives me time where I'm forced to sit down. Um, you know, even though I don't sit down a lot and I don't rest a lot, um, but it forces me to sit down, to stay focused, um, you know, to help other people meet their running goals. It helps me become a better athlete because I'm constantly reminding my clients of things that I need to remind myself of. Um, and so it's been a, it's been a really great, um, balance of, you know, pursuing both of these careers for me professionally. Yeah. And I heard you mention that you have like 75 clients. So how do you, do you hire other coaches under you or how do you manage all that? No, as of right now, I'm the, the sole owner of get running and I am the only coach. Um, my husband was helping out. But his job has gotten um, way too busy. But he would he would help me out with um, some of my uh, more serious elite athletes. Um, and I do have a strength coach that I talk to, and he's helped me design some strength training plans for my clients. But yeah, for the most part, I do it all. Um, and it's so rewarding. I, it's something I've really enjoyed. I went to college to be a coach. And so I feel very fortunate that I've been able to, um, you know, start this business and have it be so successful. Yeah. Do you use an online platform? I do. I use a training program called the final surge. Okay. It's, and so it's a, it's a, a dynamic calendar and people can upload their data from their GPS watches so I can track, you know, their training, everything they're doing. And then I can, um, you know, they can comment. It just keeps everything super organized. Mm -hmm. It's color coordinated for, you know, different workout days and I can see whether they've completed runs or not. So it really helps keep everyone accountable. That's awesome. Well, and I love that you actually like went to college for that. And I mean, it's just like your whole life is kind of engulfed. Yes. And I love it that way. So you just have to know who you are because some runners prefer to have careers outside of running um, because they don't want their whole life to be focused on running. And my, my husband said it best. He's like, we don't strive to be (laughs) (laughs) multidimensional. What does he do for work? Uh, my husband works in finance um, for a company called United Capital in Denver, and he's an operations manager for them. Oh, cool. My husband also works in finance. Oh. 
We uh, need to meet. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, Neely, what's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do in your life that you haven't done yet? Well, for me, obviously, I want to make an Olympic team. Um, you know, I think that as a professional athlete, that's the first thing you're asked is like, oh, you're a professional athlete. So have you done the Olympics yet? Um, I don't think I want to define my career, entire career on, you know, whether or not I've made an Olympic team, but that is a goal. And that's something that I'd like to keep working towards. In the marathon? Yes. (laughs) What is an accomplishment you're most proud of? For me, I was 13th in the world championships in, um, cross country in 2013. And that race was a huge, uh, pivotal moment for me in my professional career of realizing that I can compete against the best in the world. Yeah. 2013, were you coming off of your Lyme disease flare? I was, yes. And so that was just an incredible race for me. Um, I had just gotten married and everything was just starting to click for me again. Um, And so it was a crazy race. Uh, It was in Poland um, in six inches of snow, and we ran up and down a ski slope four times. That was the race. Oh, my gosh. And um, (laughs) Yeah. So it was was amazing. Um, And I remember that moment um, in the race where I was just like – doesn't matter because I'm probably going to fall. I'm probably going to lose two. Uh, you know, I just, I need to maximize whatever I can do and not worry about anyone else. And when I was able to make that conscious decision, um, it has now helped me in so many races. Mm-hmm. And every time I run that way, I run my best. That is really good way to look at it. You can't, I mean, you just can't think about what anybody else is doing. You really can't. The second you lose focus of what you're doing, just things start falling apart. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's a really, um, that's a theme I hear a lot from professional runners when I talk to them is like making sure that your focus is really just on your race. Yeah. Because there's so much that's going on around you and it's so easy to compare yourself to everyone else and yeah. what they're doing. Um, but ultimately you can't control what anyone else is doing. You can only control what you're doing. And if you can focus on that, it's going to take so much pressure off of you and you're going to feel so much more confident. So in thinking about going for the marathon, the Olympic trials and the marathon, and kind of we've seen this like surge in women, American women marathoners, does that excite you or does it make you think, man, there's a lot of people to compete against? Um, no, it's so exciting. And a lot of them are my friends. And so it's really neat to see how strong these women are running and how we're becoming, you know, more and more of a dominant force Mm -hmm. in the world. Um, so yeah, I would say it's super exciting for me. I really enjoy, um, you know, seeing what other women are doing. I love that, you know, Shalane won New York this Mm -hmm. past year. Um, and that gives me a lot of hope because, you know, I have, a lot of years ahead yeah. of me. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's just inspiring for me to get to watch them and learn from them. And, you know, I, I live in Boulder, I run with Kara Goucher, um, you know, and that's fun for me because I can get to soak in some of the knowledge that she has. And yeah. that's what I sort of like to take from these other girls is I like watching races. Um, you know, I think the Berlin marathon, I think we got up at like 2am to watch the whole marathon, you know, um, it's just, it's a passion that we have. We're interested in it. And so it's important for us. Um, 
so yeah, I had, I definitely am excited about where, um, you know, American distance running is going at this point. Well, yeah. And you have so many years and you know, you've only ran two marathons. So it's really exciting to think about where your career is going to go. Yes, absolutely. If you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? It's sort of just what I said, um, with the racing is that you can't control anyone else. You're going to make your own decisions. So, you know, choose wisely. The people that you surround yourself with are going to help shape who you are and, you know, staying around really positive people, people who are going to be uplifting and encouraging and, um, help you make good decisions. Um, and, you know, being aware of that and making sure that you, um, you know, put yourself in the best situation to be the best that you can be. What are you loving right now? Um, well, right now I'm actually wearing a pair of my new Adidas, uh, sunglasses and, uh, I just got two different ones. One is the pastor and the other one, um, is, what are these ones called? Uh, the Tempest and they're like athleisure style. So you can wear them to run, but then you can wear them around and you actually like look good in them. <laughs> so that's like my favorite thing right now is like, so I can go work out and then I can go grocery shopping and I can just wear the same exact thing the whole time. Um, so that's been great. And then, um, power bar has plant protein bars and I've really struggled with getting protein while pregnant. So that's been like my go-to snack these days, um, is to get in some extra protein, um, having the, the plant protein bars, um, from power bar and having that as a snack instead. Um, since I, I can still not eat meat for some reason. I was going to say, is it just like an aver- a food aversion that yeah, you've been having? Yeah. I yeah. just hate it. I can't even cook it. My husband has to make his own food. Like, it's so oh. it's so weird. And sometimes like when my husband cooks and I'm not in the mood, I'm like, can you just like eat a peanut butter sandwich? Cause that smell is really driving me crazy. Exactly. Yeah. I've had times <laughs> where I've had to leave the house. I'm like, yeah. I can't. Oh. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't handle it. What's the <laughs> yeah. best, most recent book you've read? I am reading a series, um, called the Pepper Jones series and a friend of mine, um, she actually wrote them. So it's pretty fun. And it's a, the first book is called, uh, pepped up and it's about a high school runner girl in Colorado and she's trying to qualify for the Locker national championships. So it's just a really nice, light, easy read, um, good stories, little drama, um, you know, just the typical teenage, uh, girl lifestyle and everything. So I really enjoyed that. There's five books in the series and they're on Amazon. And so I've just been whizzing through those. Oh, fun. That is so cool that your friend wrote the series. Yeah. Um, I saw that you watched the bachelor. Yes. Um, I don't know what to do with myself on Mondays now that I don't have two hours to waste on trashy TV and your, and your husband watched it with you. Yes. Yes. We watched it together. And to be honest, I think he enjoyed it more than I did. It was pretty funny. He was like super dedicated to watching it every Monday night. Okay. So tell me what your thoughts were. Ugh. <laughs> um, well, we did a bracket with a couple friends, um, about who would, you know, win at the end. So I was actually quite happy because I picked the end and I thought she was such a great girl and uh-huh. that she deserved so much better. So yes. I was very glad that she didn't win. 
Yeah, I mean, she was like, honestly, it's just way too good. I'm actually surprised that she wasn't the pick to be the Bachelorette. Yeah, um, I think it's because she's so similar to Rachel. Sure. Um, yeah. They had like very similar personalities. It, so. Like very, very edu- well educated. Exactly. Yeah. Well educated, very rational, yep. very, you know, mature in their responses. <laughs> I was like, yes. yeah, they need someone with more drama for the next one. <laughs> but CCM was the kind of person, because I'm always like, who are these people that come on this show? Because it's just kind of mm-hmm. crazy. But she's the kind of person where I'm like, no, there are like actually like, level-headed normal people that go on the show yes I can't say I could do it though oh it would kill me no and I think more than anything if I went on like because it's normal that I think about like if I were a contestant on The Bachelorette as a 34 year old (laughs) person who's been married for nine years (laughs) um but I always think like I think I would end up just getting so competitive that I wanted to win that I wouldn't really actually care about like my relationship with him that's actually so true you know I feel like that was where crystal was a little bit crystal she just wanted to win which one was crystal (sighs) um hashtag glitter hashtag glitter what what, did she not make it very far she made it like decently far but she was just super dramatic oh crystal yes the fitness coach yes yes or whatever she is exactly oh yeah the drama queen um yes yeah I think so and because like to be honest all season I was just like I I don't even think Ari's that attractive and he's, his personality is not that great. So like, what are y'all like trying to, you know, be with him for anyway, because they want to win. Yep. Like, you know, that's really cool. That's yeah. all he said the whole time. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I did, I felt like, I was like, maybe you could like get a dictionary and yeah. get a little bit larger vocabulary next time. Yeah. He just doesn't come off as a very deep person. Like I felt like you couldn't actually have like a serious conversation with him about real life stuff, you know? And yes. so actually it probably really has all worked out that he ended up with uh, Emily. Is it Emily or Lauren? What's her name? Lauren. Lauren. Yeah, Lauren. Okay. She looks like Emily who won Ben's season a couple seasons ago. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, cause she, you know, Maybe she's just incredibly shy, but her personality was just, like, not existent. So yep. ma- maybe this will be perfect. <laughs> maybe yes. they'll actually They're both last. super boring. Yes. So maybe it'll be fine. They'll lay down and at night and <laughs> watch talk. The Bachelor together and not talk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that was really fun to chat with you about The Bachelor because it's one of my um, – I don't even say guilty pleasures because it's a pleasure and I'm not guilty about it at all. <laughs> I like that. Cool. Yeah. So, okay, well, we're going to connect soon because we're going to hopefully meet up in Boston. I'm kind of planning to meet up with the podcast and everything, and Neely is hopefully going to meet up with us as well. Yeah, I'm super excited. Actually, a month from today, I'll get to see you. That'll be so fun. We'll get a picture of our baby bumps. Oh, my God, because we're literally – well, you're due August 4th. I'm August 10th. Yes. So, so six days apart. Yeah, you're. What if our kids are born on the same day? That be would awesome. be. Hopefully, it means I go a week early. That's what hopefully that means. Because I was a I've week been, overdue. I've been hoping it's a week early too. So. I know. I know. I've never. I've literally never been early though. So that's pro- unless you're really late. We probably won't go on the same day. Oh. Well, I heard that with the first one, usually you go late. So. Yes. Yes. We'll yes. See. Yes. <laughs> All right, Neely. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. This was so fun. Of course. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun to chat. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. That wraps up episode 111. Thank you, Neely, for coming on the show. And thank you all for listening. I want to thank our sponsors one more time. 
who help make this show possible. I want to thank Strava. Go download the app. Find me. I'm Lindsay Hine. And make sure within this week you register for their contest. Sign up to win an entry to run the New York City Marathon in a $500 stipend. Link to that will be in the show notes. And I want to thank Casper Mattress for supporting this episode of the podcast. Head over to casper.com slash have another. Use the code have another to get $50 toward select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. And a big thanks to my friends at Lily Trotters. Check out their compression socks. They're so cute and so comfy. Go to lilytrotters.com and use the code another to get 25% off your order. You guys can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. I love interacting and talking with listeners over there. I post lots of stories of podcasting stuff, family stuff, and just whatever. You can also find Neely over on Instagram. She's Neely S. Gracie, N-E-E-L-Y-S-G-R-A-C-E-Y. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. And... As always, I'll see you next Friday.